0: i'm courtney and i'm allison <laughs> just kidding folks courtney's not here um this is gonna be a this is gonna be a little bit of a weird app, cause this is Allison, as you know. Um, I actually got, uh, pretty sick. I had a, a flare-up of my chronic illness, and so Courtney and I weren't able to get together and to record before they went on their big, fun, August vacation. So I am gonna do something a little weird and a little different for you. Uh, I have some readings prepared that I think you're probably not gonna enjoy, but that's okay. We, we have fun here. um. So the first thing that I'm going to read for you is the first act of the second episode of the series by Chris Carter entitled Millennium. Are you ready? Here we go. Fade in. Millennium score begins to rise over a static frame of a San Francisco landmark. The Transamerica building aspiring to the night heavens over its lesser-known neighbors. The picture and music fading in like a Polaroid. On reaching complete resolution, a legend appears mid-screen. San Francisco! Camera pans off skyline, racking through the pan two. exterior San Francisco City Street, night wide angle. Camera finding two brand new BMW convertibles pulling up to the curb at a street fronting a city park. Score being overtaken by the pounding thrum of a synthesized bass line from Cypress Hills insane in the membrane. The passenger door to the lead car opens and a male, 20s, exits, moving at a brisk stride into the darkness of the park. Music continues to play from one of the cars. Cut two interior lead BMW night continuous. Angle over driver. To the back seat where three young men sit squeezed together, mm. featuring the young man wedged in the middle, the dark-haired twenty-one-year-old named Ido Bolo. The other young men range from the baby-faced driver, baby driver, to the slightly more rangy occupants of the back seat. The only commonality between them is that they all have extremely short hair, okay, nearly skinhead style, okay. They are drinking beer, which they do well to keep low and out of view. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous, but I'm continuing. Driver, looking off screen, slyly. <laughs> the Dark Prince returns! As the young man who had disappeared into the park darkness now reappears, leaning furtively into the passenger window and handing the driver a small piece of perforated paper. Park Guy. Tickets to the horror show? as he exits frame, heading back to the car behind them. Yes, indeedy. Waving the small piece of paper to the boys in the back, who like what they see. Cut back to exterior, San Francisco, City Street, night, wide angle, as the park guy makes a similar delivery to the second BMW, then hustles back to the first, gets in, the car's speed away. Cut back to interior, lead BMW, traveling, night continuous. The music continues. I want to get high so high as the park guy has a small piece of perforated paper now tearing it into its postage stamp size parts okay i see what's happening camera following one of these small pieces as it's held up to ito park guy fetch the paper ito the two boys on either side of ito let out a mock dog pound chorus of woof 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 as he takes the little stamp and with veiled hesitation puts it in his mouth and begins to chew Cut two. exterior abandoned factory complex night high angle. As the BMWs roll into the deserted streets of the dark, dilapidated facility, doing wide circles and turning in formation so that the cars sit headlight to headlight. Oh god, it's about to get crazy! As a new Cypress Hill tune plays, because that's the only song of this genre that they know. Its throbbing bass line echoing into the tall, abandoned old workshops. Camera adjusting to reveal that this shot has been essentially someone's POV from atop a building. A dark silhouette is revealed from behind, though the only visible detail is the side of its face, its skin pocked and scarred, its close-cropped hair sparse. We also see that it wears night vision goggles. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Night vision POV. As the doors to the cars open and the occupants start to exit, Very close, very close, on wearer of night vision goggles. Mostly goggles, with, again, very little detail of its wearer. New angle on cars. The occupants pile out of the cars, moving in silhouettes to the fusion of light between the two cars. As the music continues to play, boom, 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 we find Edo staggering slightly, his movements slow and druggy. He's tripping, his eyes acid glass. What? A kind of giddy, confused expression. Watching his comrades, Ito's twisted POV, laughing and shouting at nothing, at no one, their faces twisting in an LSD dream world, becoming before his eyes and ours the howling heads of vicious, barking dogs. Woof, woof, woof. Resume group, normal POV. Carrying on as before when another young man, Dylan, turns furtively to Ito, bumping into him as he tries to deliver a furtive warning. Okay, we get it, he's extremely furtive. Dylan, hey Hey man. Run, Ito. What? But Dylan does not turn back, does not answer, following the rest of the group as they suddenly split up and move back to the cars, getting in as Ito staggers to follow them, but by the time he gets to one of the cars, his friends have all gotten in and the door closes on him, assholes. Ito says, hey! They stare out at Ito with grim, knowing faces, particularly Dylan's. Oh, Dylan, what did you do? Then Ito turns, reacting to the squeal of tires. Ito's twisted POV. The second BMW is hurtling towards him from a jackrabbit start, its headlights creating snaky trailing patterns that glow like giant filaments as the car lurches dangerously at him. Wide on scene, the car swerving to miss Ito at the last moment, you crazy kids, as the other car squeals into motion. And the two cars begin doing crazy circles around the now terrified boy ito's twisted point of view the light from the car streaking and trailing like radioactive streamers the faces of his friends in the car staring out at him through the open windows screaming wildly at him ito standing frightened and alone when he takes the advice he was given earlier he runs somehow avoiding being mowed over though he moves like easy prey into one of the abandoned buildings that stands adjacent camera following him as he whispers and mules stopping once he gets inside standing in the shadows for a moment as the bass line from the car's stereo transforms into the sound of barking dogs again louder and louder and louder (laughs) until it sounds like the pack might stampede right through the doorway camera moving in on ito's panic faced as he turns running deeper into the dark factory Interior, abandoned factory complex, night, high-angle POV. Through night vision goggles, as we see Edo running down below, handheld camera following Edo as he runs through the darkness, chased by his imaginary hounds of hell, stopping to catch his breath, whimpering and crying as the sound of the dog slowly fades away. Edo eases somewhat, wondering if his nightmare has ceased, when something seizes his attention. It is the sound of falling water, Falling into a large puddle he now stands in, which is littered with broken pieces of glass and mirror. Water, which we see is rusty-colored, as some of it actually falls on his shirt. it's pretty gross. Angle up. The water is sprinkling down from a broken pipe high above him, but there's another sound, a flapping sound. Not unlike a bird fluttering its wings somewhere up in the rafters, only louder. As if a giant bird of prey were watching him from the darkness above. Camera circling slowly around Edo. Moving slowly around to his face, Ito, too, is now looking upwards from his twisted POV, looking upwards into the dark catwalks or rafters overhead, where the rusty water sprinkles down from above, and where a dark figure descends straight toward him with what appears to be membranous wings outstretched. That's pretty cool. Okay. Figures descending POV, night vision goggles, Falling towards Ido, whose face reflects the horror of what he sees, standing in the large, rusty puddle of water, bracing for an attack. Resume Ito's POV. As the attacking creature lands on him, its dog-like snout and bared fangs gnashing, biting right at his face, right at camera. Its deep, recessed yellow eyes piercing his damned soul. Okay, well, oh, that's a lot. It might be the devil himself, whose teeth are tearing at Ido as he screams out in terror. Resume high angle. Ito's screams echoing through the building as the attack by this man-dog-beast continues far below as we go to main titles. Act 1, Fade In. Exterior Frank Black residence. Day. Camera craning down out of the dense green foliage of the trees lining the street, revealing the picture-perfect yellow house, the summer sun setting it positively aglow. As camera pushes towards house, we see Frank Black exit moving down the front steps toward a ladder that has been propped up against the west corner of the lower roof. Angle on ladder. Frank, carrying an electrician's plier. He mounts the ladder, climbing as camera follows him up to the motion-detecting dual-light fixture that he has now installed on the fascia board, for which he is now completing the wiring. That's a lot of info you don't need. But not before reacting to... Jack Meredith's voice. Uh, hey there, Frank! Over Frank to Jack Meredith his retired next-door neighbor who stands below him. Uh, saw you working up there, putting in a security line, huh? Frank smiles, goes on working, unbothered by Jack the Busybody. Yeah, days are, uh, gonna start getting shorter. It'll be nice for Catherine if, uh, she comes home from work late. Oh, your wife get her job? Yeah. Terrific. What's, (laughs) what's the name of what she does again? Uh, she's a clinical social worker? Oh, right, yeah. (laughs) You got all the tools you need there, Frank? Yeah, I think I'm uh squared away, Jack. <laughs> New angle to include Catherine stepping out the front door, trailing Jordan and her puppy, which has grown in the ensuing months. Frank? Yeah? You've you've got a phone call. Uh Hi, Jack. Resume wide on the house. As Frank crawls down the ladder, moving around to the front porch, where Jordan and Puppy come down to meet him. Frank picks Jordan up and together the family disappears into the house. Cut to interior black residence, kitchen, day. Angle over phone receiver lying on the kitchen buffet counter as Frank enters, picks up the phone. Uh, hello? Peter Watts's voice, phone filter. Hello, Frank, it's Peter Watts. Uh, yeah, Peter. Frank, I'm down in San Francisco, and I've got what could be a multiple homicide here, uh, possibly something a little more involved. Frank takes a deep breath, feeling the presence of his wife and daughter, who have just entered the room behind him. They are moving to the sink to fill the dog's bowl. Do you want me to send the details? I could do that, Frank, but the, the lack of detail has created a high level of concern. I really think we can use you here. Right, I'll, uh, I'll make the arrangements. Frank hangs up, trading a look with Catherine that speaks volumes. He keeps her in his steady gaze, as if to tell her it's okay. An honesty between them that does not need affirmation. They know each other too well, but it doesn't make Catherine's role any easier. Was that someone from the group? Uh, they got me looking for something down in San Francisco. Soon? Yeah, right right after I finish up wiring that light. And he exits, off Catherine's concern. We cut to. Exterior, San Francisco City Park, late day, wide angle. The same park we established at night in the teaser. Though now we are inside the park, looking towards the street. A San Francisco cityscape match would be nice. As a rental car pulls to the curb near two plain wraps and two black and whites. There are three detectives and four uniformed officers keeping random onlookers away. Frank exits the nondescript rental car, heading toward camera, toward the center of interest, which is where we find Peter Watts. Standing with two of the SFPD detectives near a rose garden, with its neatly tended furrows and beds, they turn to Frank as he approaches. Peter? Hey Frank, how was your trip? The two men shake hands. There's not much energy wasted on pleasantries between these two men, nor will there ever be. Whew, rough. The air of serious purpose about them, their intense focus on work, is what makes them stand out from other law enforcement. It is also a calming force. Okay, this is some real fucking propaganda here, but, well, I guess that's what you get. Uh, good, what have you got? Watts walks Frank back to the rose bed. Uh, members of that gardening club knows the ashes were being deposited in the park's rose beds over the past few weeks. Uh, one of them notified the detectives this morning when she found this. The two detectives nod at Frank as Watts moves into a kneeling position, taking out a ballpoint pen to move the leaves back on one of the decorative flowering border shrubs. Begonias? <laughs> like, just says begonias? Like, I guess... I don't think it's really up to you. <laughs> Fine. POV on the flower bed. Pulling up the leaves to reveal A HUMAN EAR! Its edges scorched and burned. Basically only the ridged interior portion remains. Okay, so the yeah, okay, that's fine. Resume, Watts and Frank. Kneeling. No obvious reaction to this, except intense interest, because they've seen a lot of ears, like, in their time. That's fine. They're like, it's an ear, it's no big deal. Watts. It appears to be an adult. A good portion of the interior helix is intact. I think we can get a nice impression from the remaining oracle. Uh, there's a lot of ash that's been dumped here, Frank. Camera pushes in on Frank's face, studying the disembodied ear, when... Frank's interior POV. We see Ido's face distorted through what looks like thick glass as he claws and screams and beats against it, his face pressed sideways up against it, in a series of cuts that seem to blur and collapse time. Resume Frank. His eyes and face focused intently as he is seeing what the killer saw, however obliquely. A well, local PD thought it could just be an illegal crematory dumping, but... Now he's... Resume interior POV. Ito continues to beat on the glass, but the focus has shifted to the glass and the reflection that comes off it. It's the reflection of the same man-dog-beast, that's man-slash-dog-slash-beast, that we saw in the teaser, reflected in its own POV. Also in a series of jarring time cuts. He's what, Frank? The killer knows the victim. He he wants to watch him suffer. Uh, I think we've got multiple bodies here. Multiple victims. What's he using, a crematory oven? Maybe, but I think it's important to him that he burns them alive. Why? I don't know. Frank rises from his kneeling position, as does Watts. They nod to the detectives. I have a call into to a member of our group, a man named, uh, Penseres. If you can accommodate him with your forensic resources, I think we might be able to get you guys something in the next short while. A detective asks, Do you guys see stuff like this all the time? No. Not like this. I wish... I wish there was, I wish it said, never like this, but it doesn't. That's fine. That's fine. You know, it's fine. It hangs there heavily as the two men turn and head back towards Frank's car as we cut to the interior black resident, Jordan's bedroom. Night. Close on Jordan's ear as her sweet dog licks it, making her giggle with delight. Okay. That's, that's rough. Camera adjusting to reveal she is in bed in in her pajamas. Now, again, I've never seen Millennium, and I don't know how old Jordan is, but... Yikes. Her dog has its front paws up on the bed, stealing these dog... Kisses? Until Catherine enters in her pajamas and robe. Okay, what's going on in here? At which point, Ben stops and looks up at Catherine with a big, tongue-lolling smile. Benny's giving me kisses! Well, there's just way too much fun going on in here, okay, Ben? Bedtime. Downstairs. Ben is promptly shooed off the bed and out the door as Catherine sits down on the bed and tucks her daughter in. And you, she says, she glares at her daughter with mock authority. Mommy, when is Daddy coming home? Okay, so she's pretty young. Catherine, I don't know, honey. I'm, I'm sure he'll be home soon. Maybe tomorrow. Is he working? Yes. Catching the bad man? Catherine rises from the bed, weighing her answer as she straightens the window curtain. If there's a bad man, I'm sure Daddy's going to catch him. Now I want you to close those eyes and count as high as you can, okay? Okay. Jordan complies, closing her eyes and starting to count silently. putting... put under for dental surgery or something? Jesus Christ. Angle on Catherine, watching her. Considering innocence and the ultimate futility of its preservation. You really don't need to put that on the page. That's... yikes. She reaches to turn off the small table lamp that lights the room, moving to exit when something catches her attention out the window. And ours. The security light has just blinked on, illuminating the side driveway leading out to the backyard. Catherine's POV. The light burns brightly. Though there is no sign of movement, nothing, until the slightest trace of an indefinable shadow appears. Close on Catherine, reacting to this with silent nervousness. Resume Catherine's POV. The vague shadow dances for a moment, and then as quickly as it appeared, it is gone. Exterior black residence. Wrap around porch night. Looking through the window where we see Catherine come quietly downstairs trailing the dog. Stopping, looking toward camera, then moving towards us to the window and looking out. Catherine's POV, the security light, right above her outside, is still on. But after a beat, it blinks off. Resumed Catherine, standing there a beat longer, then reaching up and closing the Roman shade that... Is that the same as a Venetian blind? Roman? Venetian? Is that the same thing? Space Cadets, is that the same thing? It's fine. That serves as a window cover as we cut to interior black house, night. Catherine drops a shade that nearly jumps out of her skin when the phone rings, regaining herself, moving to answer it. Hello? Hi, it's me. It's, it's Frank. Cause I, that's the voice that I'm doing for Frank, so that's you know that it's Frank. Cut to interior SFPD forensics lab, night. Frank standing with the phone to his ear. A lot of ear work in this episode. A lot of emphasis on the ear. In the BG is Watts standing over a desk using a jeweler's loop to study photos. Is that like a, I guess that's like a big magnifying glass? I don't know. <laughs> All this lingo. Oh, Frank. What? What's wrong? Camera pushing in slightly, playing Frank's concern now, which he does not want to let Catherine hear in his voice. Catherine, oh, phone filter. Nothing. I just got a little spooked by the new security light. What happened? Are you all right? I'm fine. It just went on, and I'm sure it was just a cat or something. I'm sure that's all it was, honey. I'm sure it's just an adjustment. Are you guys all locked up there? We're fine, Frank, really. It's a perfectly safe neighborhood. Frank? It's Watts. It's Watts in the background. Watts rises from his work now, moving to a door where there is some activity, where another man is entering. I- I've got to go. Do you want me to call you back? Cut back to Catherine. No. No. Did you catch the bad man, Frank? No, but we will. I know. Cut back to interior SFPD Forensics Lab. Night. It's kind of fun. Frank hangs up the phone, moving to Watts and Pinseres, the other man who has joined them in the room. Oh, I gotta get a fucking voice for that guy now. Pinseres wheels in the three cardboard boxes stacked onto a hand truck. Brings them to rest. Frank, this is Jim Pensers, He worked at VICAP just after you left. I don't know if you ever met. VICAP, that's like a database that tracks... Let's just look it up. Let's just look it up, that's fine. The Violent Criminal Apprehension Program, VICAP. It's some FBI thing that analyzes serial, violent, and sexual crimes. Okay. Well, I don't love that. Sorry. Frank is distracted for a moment, his mind's still on home, then... No, hi. Offers his hand to shake. what do you find? And then Penseres says Um oh God. What's his what's his voice gonna sound like? Uh the excavation of the site isn't complete, pending a problem with the parks department, but I think we're able to separate out most of what was there in the plant beds. Penseres opens up the top cardboard box lid, revealing that the container is full of dark grey ash. Thirty nine pounds of carbonized human remains. Roughly the equivalent of seven adults. Dating is difficult, but there appeared to be a defined stratum, which would indicate more than one deposit. What else? The remains are clean. By that, I mean uniform, no large fragments, apart from the partial air, which would indicate extreme heat. Camera pushing in on Frank, staring into the ash, and then Frank's interior POV again. Frank sees a series of quick cuts, of Ido's face pressed sideways against a thick, convex, double-paned glass, his hands pounding, then pressing, then sliding lifelessly down the glass. Resumed Frank looking up at Penn's hairs. What kind of heat? Bone carbonizes at 1,400 degrees, but I put this at twenty-one, twenty-two hundred. What about the ear? It shouldn't have survived. Pensarus pulls the ear from his pocket. Wait! Oh, now contained in a plastic evidence bottle filled with solution. <laughs> he just had an ear in his pocket. I don't know how I did it, but we pulled an impression and. something else. Something just as lucky! What? That's Watts. I forget how he sounds. The tissue contained traces of Lysergic Acid. LSD! Also, a phosgene, a relatively uncommon gas, best known as a byproduct found at accident sites, most commonly chemical plants using carbon tetrachloride. Dry cleaning fluid? Dry. Cl- now I can't remember how anyone sounds. Dry cleaning fluid. Pincers nods. There was an accident at a big dry cleaning facility here seven years ago. They built a block of abandoned buildings down near Pier 23. As we cut to exterior abandoned factory complex night, that was fast, angle over a familiar beer bottle in tight foreground as headlights appear in the distance moving towards us. Match cut to interior abandoned factory complex night. Looking through the doors of the building, we saw Ido run through in the teaser. As the car pulls into view and stops, doors open and two men exit. The slamming of doors, then flashlight beams, heading towards us. Frank and Watts appear, waving their beams into the dark recesses within. Not much left of anything. Frank waves his flashlight around then. No. But he steps in anyway, as if he senses something. After a beat, he's followed by Watts, high angle, as the men move through the darkness, the beams penetrating all the way up to this vantage point. Angle on Frank, shining his beam up to the rafters as Watts catches up to him. I don't know, Frank, what do you think they'd be doing in here? Still pointing his flashlight upwards. Maybe. Quick flash. Frank's interior POV. We see in a series of very quick flashes the image of the man slash dog slash beast descending towards camera, landing, teeth gnashing. Parentheses. These images are all reflected in the pool of rusty water or the pieces of mirror and glass. Essentially the beast view of himself with the rusty water falling into frame. Oh, I get it. So like Frank can only see what a killer has seen. Does he have a magic power? I don't know. But he can only see what a killer's seen, so they have to, like, game the system by, like, setting up things that reflect so that he can see the killer because the killer's seen themselves. I get it. Resume Frank. Reacting to this, then turning his flashlight beam downwards, pointing it to the floor now, searching. Maybe this is where the victims were subdued. Moving now, walking. As if he knows what he's looking for. Stopping when he finds. Low angle on floor, on puddle of rusty water. Where Frank's flashlight beam has stopped, in the bright circle of light, are an adult set of teeth, oh god, lying in a strewn line in the dirty water. Frank and Watts reacting to this, to the grim triumph of discovery. Okay, so there you have it, Space Cadets. That's, um, that's Act One of Episode Two of Millennium, as read by me, Allison, without Courtney. Um, so sad, so lonely. Now you know two things. You know maybe whether or not you'd want to watch Millennium. Um, and also how many cool voices I can do, which is <laughs> a lot. So don't even worry about it. Uh, And now for the second thing that I have prepared for you for um, Allison's Millennium Variety Hour. It's a little ditty off the uh, second studio album of a very talented musician by the name of William Smith. The first track off Willenium. This is I'm Coming. Feel the earth tremble, see the skies turn red. Eclipses, shooting stars, turn your head, volcanoes erupted. Rage in the sea ain't the second coming of Christ No, it's the first coming of me And they say if you damn up the Nile It would throw off the rotation of the earth Well, messing with me is worse Feel the rain button up your overcoat, watch the ill bad boy go, quote for quote. Well, y'all want the best, but I'm right here, y'all, looking for competition, ain't no one there, y'all, in the stands dissing. Kicking dirt and missing my heavenly flow. Put in the seas in hell's kitchen and I'm so, so, I'm so hot, hot, y'all burning up. I step in, it's like the wedding between hope and Armageddon, and the hip hop Moses. To where we headed, I'm coming, I'm coming. You can't stop me, no. I'm coming, I'm coming. Can't hold me, can't hold me back, no, no. was born. There was a rainbow formed with no sun. Roy deep, mark marking the path for the chosen one, an angel. My grandma told me before she died. Smart folks don't need to put no cursing in their rhyme. So from CDs to TV to movies, back to rhyme in my life. Stats make Jordan six rings look common. Y'all hate. I retaliate just by being great. Big Willie, enemy of your mental state with the same rhyme I used to burn your idol in a battle to screw you in and saying, Look, no, I don't want to, I don't want to battle. M-I-B-W-B, mad respect black stealth bomber a radar can't detect that i'm coming is what i screamed as a teen armed with disciplined faith and a dream after the smoke clears after life's roller coasters see who stands putting his mic into his holster what i'm coming i'm i'm coming you can't stop me. No, I'm coming. I'm, I'm coming. You can't hold me back. Patting uh, 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 uh. down the hatches and latch the doors. You wanna try to match my wits with yours? Three hits, I hit you. You hit the floor, this track is the third hit. Hey, that's for sure. Be thick, reminiscent of a Botticelli. I'm like a cheetah, hunting out on the Serengeti. I got my x-ray vision, though, all in my way. No plan B. It distracts from when I stays split in half. Earthquake style Evacuate your premises The hardcore nemesis I never miss My flow never flawed Grab mics and Send electric shocks through the core Quest for the rings My only weapons Intuition My future position is determined By my past decisions So young George Bush Hey, I'm thinking about running Maybe not this time but just dude uh, I'm coming you can't stop me I'm coming I'm coming we love Will Smith here he's very good we like his rhymes um, Space Cadets that's been your episode for this week again a bit of a weird one if you want to rate and review the show don't do it based on this one wait for a better one. That sounds like a good idea. If you want to reach us by email to say, please don't do this again. And when is Courtney coming back? You can find us at double x files podcast at gmail.com. That's double spelled out D O U B L E. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at double x files and on Tumblr at fuck. Yeah. Double x files. I think that's all I have to say. Uh, until next time, the truth is out there. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.